Welcome to our Spiritual Resilience Podcast with Reverend Rich Taffel, a transformative leader and executive coach in areas of public policy, social change, and spiritual entrepreneurship. We understand that today's life and social challenges require a more holistic approach, including spiritual tools, thoughtful dialogue, and of course, community building. Join us in the conversation. The topic of abortion is once again front and center in American public life, with the potential that the Senate will be, praise, will be replacing a pro-choice Supreme Court justice with a pro-life judge tilting the balance on that issue. Abortion has been really one of the most enduring issues of America's culture war, stemming from the 1973 ruling of the Supreme Court in the famous Roe v. Wade case. And more than just a policy issue, it's really become an issue for many of morality and many for Christian morality. Uh, most of the people who are on the pro-life side of this debate make the case that this is simply the Christian position that they're holding. Now, ministers have told me they would not touch this topic with a 10-foot pole, because the only thing that they're sure of is that someone will end up very angry and they could lose their job. So this is a very tough topic. Just before we started, I asked my dad, had you ever heard a sermon on this topic? Because I have not. He said he had not either. So I think the minister sticking, staying away from this is uh, well-founded. It's difficult. It's difficult. And so because it's such a tough topic and a personal topic, I'd like to begin just by saying that I ask forgiveness from anyone who hears anything that I say to be offensive. That is not my goal. It could happen. I'm doing my best to shine some light and, and, and to offer some answers to some questions. But if I upset you, I apologize. I realize this is a very personal issue. So let's get into it. What we've been doing is looking at topics that are in public life, and we're looking to scripture or to spiritual teachers for guidance. So let's, let's go to the Bible uh, and see what it says about abortion. And you might be very surprised to learn that there's not that much at all on the direct topic of abortion in the Bible, and Jesus never addressed the topic. So for something that is so charged uh, from a church perspective for many churches as their number one issue, it is not an issue that Jesus spoke about in any way directly that I can see. Others might disagree, but I can't find the verse. There are verses in the Old Testament, and those were some that we read today. And that's how I chose them. And in those texts from the Old Testament, there's sort of an implying that God says, I knew you in the womb. So that would imply that if I know you in the womb, possibly there's life in the womb, something to that effect. Um, and there is one story in the, in the Gospels where Elizabeth, if you remember, Elizabeth is the mother of John the Baptist, and she's friends with Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary says that she's pregnant with Jesus, and Elizabeth says, I could feel a jump for joy in my womb from John. So that would imply there's John's there. So that's, there's, there's not that much more. If you believe this is a matter of life and death, you would look to the Ten Commandments and say, thou shalt not murder. But there's really nothing directly on it. So like most topics that we're talking about in public policy, 
the biblical texts are not really explicit. We're called to interpret. And um, I personally don't believe the Bible is to be used as a how-to manual for either modern domestic policy or foreign policy. I believe we're here to study the word, to change our lives spiritually, and use that guidance to make very tough decisions, knowing that other people of very good faith are going to come out in a different place, and we should seek to respect that too. Okay, so if the Bible isn't really direct with the topic, where else can we look? So in our tradition, we can look to the insights of Swedenborg and his deeper interpretation. And in today's reading uh, on Swedenborg, he appear, appears to be saying that life begins uh, when breath enters the lungs, sort of what Malcolm had mentioned with his son, that there's like, you know, that breath of air, and that's when life begins. And uh, that's not an unusual position either, that life begins when the, the, uh, the, the, the baby can breathe on its own. Um, he's really making a deeper spiritual case in this context. It's a, you could even say I pulled it a little out of context, but um, he, I don't think he speaks directly to this issue either. So if we have scripture in Swedenborg not really directly speaking to it, where else can we go to get clarity on it? Uh, well, one thing is I think when we get in a situation like that, we should always proceed with compassion on a topic, wisdom, seeking wisdom, and, and being humble as we go forward. Because I think it's up for a variety of interpretations. But are the Gospels then useless to us as we're trying to figure out this issue in our policy life? Uh, I don't think so. I think the Gospels are really quite important. And the message of Jesus can guide us. Um, he does teach us that when we feel self-righteous, he encourages stop and start with self-reflection. When we feel hatred or anger to our opponents, like many do on this issue, he tells us to love them. And when we feel insulted by another person's perspective, uh, he calls us to forgive. So those are really valuable guiding principles for any topic that we can gain from Jesus. I chose today's gospel message uh, where Jesus is healing a man on the Sabbath because I think it illustrates a very consistent message of Jesus. Don't get caught up in dogma. Don't get caught up in self-righteousness. Get caught up in love. In the story today, instead of seeing the potential healing Jesus could do, organized religion of his day can only see that he's breaking rules. You can sense that self-righteousness among the religious leader. They're giddy, uh, seeking to trick Jesus. He's really damned if he doesn't heal the guy, and he's damned if he breaks the Sabbath rule. Jesus isn't playing that game. And when it comes to topics like abortion, we shouldn't either. Jesus teaches us to start with compassion, letting that inform our actions. God, God's rules are meant to guide us, but not become gods in themselves. Jesus is calling us to wisdom, guiding us to our best intentions. And we also have the counsel of all the angels of heaven when we're making decisions. We can turn to them. So when we face this debate on abortion, the first thing is start with compassion. Then we should be humble. 
and then when we're making decisions in our own, uh, that are further from our own life, if we're looking at somebody else's life, we are called to be even more humble. Now that doesn't mean that men, for example, can't have an opinion on abortion or a role in the decision. It just means that the further you are from the issue personally, the more humility you need to have. It's very easy to judge other people. We know this. It's much harder to reflect on ourselves. Jesus calls us to be humble in looking at others and careful, carefully reflect on ourselves. Now, this is a tough topic. I'm not going to let myself off the hook by not talking about my own views on it today. These are just my views, uh, and I look forward to hearing yours in our discussion time. But I will say, overarching for this issue, I really believe it's been set up to divide us for very nefarious reasons, and that is to score points politically. I actually believe there's much more agreement on this issue than disagreement. I don't think it's as controversial as we're told to believe. I'm gonna talk a little bit about that because we need to be aware of when our viewpoints are being weaponized politically. So on this topic overall, I think there's two pretty radical views on, on each side of it, right? One is that the fetus is nothing more than a tissue part of the woman's body, no different from any other organ. She has a right to do with her body whatever she wants at any time. And the other extreme is that life begins at conception and there's a soul there, and any aborting of a fetus is killing a soul, and it's murder, and that's right after conception. So those would be, I would argue, those would be pretty uh, far radical views on each of the spectrum. Um, but what we've been told to do politically is pick a team pretty close to one of those views and then demonize the other team missing all the opportunity for there to be complexity and some place in the middle. The truth is most Americans view the issue on a spectrum. They believe that life evolves through the process from a fetus to a baby. In fact, if we look at the Supreme Court ruling, if you remember it, it talks about it's okay for a certain period of months, it's not okay for the later months. So it was a pretty complicated and nuanced view of the issue. And it actually resonates with most Americans uh, don't see either of these radical views as true. Now, I do think with the increase of medical technology to have children, um, uh, you know, the fetus come out as a baby and live longer uh, and more successfully, and I also think that among younger people, when I see them posting sonograms uh, online with their announcing of, of their pregnancy, I think we're actually watching a more conservative in some ways generation on the issue than previous generations, according to some of the data. And actually, uh, abortions, interestingly enough, are as low as they were at the time of Roe v. Wade. So they've gone to be the lowest they've been in many, many years uh, due to a number of, uh, for a number of reasons. But people are working through it and they're trying to figure it out. And the question that would come down from a moral perspective is, so when does life begin exactly? And I would say that no one can answer that question for sure, but God. I, I personally believe that something profound and miraculous is happening during a pregnancy. But the decision to get an abortion, abortion is not one that I will ever make. You could say me of all people, right? I should be the least 
uh, commentating on this issue. Um, and that kicks in the humility role that I talked about earlier. If you're not really making that decision, you really have to approach it with humility. Now, as a pastor and a friend, and, and you know, I've been a health director, I've certainly have had women come to me for counseling on this topic. And mainly I try to help them sort out the view for themselves. Uh, giving birth can be very complicated. Um, if they ask me personally, I, I do speak to the, uh, the power of pregnancy, the power of having a child, if you can go that path. Um, and some have decided after talking to me uh, to have an abortion. Others have decided to give birth. Um, in both cases, there was a lot of, um, particularly the abortion, there was guilt, stress. But more importantly, they needed to know that God loved them and other people loved them through it. And that's the thing that I took away from those situations. Um, and I'd also say if you're in a position of advising someone or if you're making, you know, particularly if you're advising a, particularly a woman on this issue, I think you do have to be prepared to share in the burden of the decision of the newborn's life. I think that's one of the missing elements in this discussion is people are quick to say you need to, to have it, uh, have the baby, but they're not quick to say, and here's what we're going to do to make this um, situation easier for you. Some do with, with options, but I think there could be more. Um, with pregnancy, for a lot of people, it's a mistake. We all make mistakes in our lives. We've all made more of them when we were younger. And some mistakes have great impact on our lives. And I think pregnancy is one of those. Um, but if you love a young person, I think we have to really love them through the mistakes. I think we have to re resist judgment, um, resist condemnation. When we engage in that condemnation, what we're really doing is assuring that they're never going to come to us again in a tough situation. Uh, it's much, they're, they're really not in those situations looking for the right answer. They're looking for love. Uh, Another, on a personal level, I would say I've evolved in my views on this. Uh, I would say when I was younger, I saw birth, uh, abortion as almost a birth control issue to be, you know, that would be my view. And as I've gotten older, I've come to see it more in terms of a life. Um, and I've noticed that change in my life. When I was younger, I was uh, much more in favor of the death penalty. And as I've gotten older, again, I've seen evolution and, I, and I'm much more cautious about taking a person's life for any reason. So uh, the reason I share that is because it's a very complex issue. I thought I knew an answer to it at certain points in my life, and now I've evolved and changed, and maybe I will again. All of that points to the need for humility in this. We've got to have humility, and uh, we have to be evolving and paying attention. Now, one image that really heartens me in this discussion, uh, whatever you feel, you, however it, it turns out, is um, that Swedenborg has a description of what happens to babies who die in childbirth in pregnancy. And it's really quite incredible and beautiful. And if you don't mind, I'd like to read what he said. May it be known, therefore, that every child who dies, no matter where he or she was born, within the church or outside it, of devout or irreverent parents, is accepted by the Lord after death, brought up into heaven, taught according to the divine design, filled with affections for what is good through them with direct knowledge of truth, and then being continually perfected in intelligence and wisdom. All such individuals are led into heaven and become angels. And this is really pretty. He says, 
I have in fact been allowed to see children clothed most becomingly with garlands of flowers around their chests, glowing with the most charming and heavenly colors and similar ones around their slender arms. Once I was even allowed to see some children with their nurses in the company of some young women in a lovely garden, not a garden of trees, but with vaulted arches, something like laurels, making the most intricate doorways with pathways accessing them inward. The children themselves were dress dressed with beauty. When they entered, the flowers of the entrance radiated the most joyful light imaginable. This enabled me to gather what their delights were and how they were led into the blessings of innocence and thoughtfulness by things charming and delightful, with the Lord constantly instilling blessings by means of these charming and delightful gifts. So one of the teachings of the traditional Christian church has been that babies that um, die for any reason um, uh, actually go to, uh, often go to a purgatory state. They're not accepted into heaven uh, because they, didn't, they weren't saved or because of their parents. So Swedenborg says all, all babies um, are, are make a path to heaven. And I wish all parents who have lost a child could see this, that incredible I image that he describes. It's quite beautiful. So why is this issue, if there's so much agreement, um, why is it so politicized? Um, the polls tell us that about 28% of the people in the USA, abortion should be legal in all circumstances. And 17% say abortion should be illegal in all circumstances. But a vast majority, uh, a majority of 54% favor legal abortions in some cases. So if there's that much agreement really in the middle, why are we divided? Uh, I think it's hyper-partisan politics. And I, and I wanna bring this into this topic because I think it's important for us to be aware of it. The goal of the political parties is to take complex issues and simplify them to get us either angry, mobilized, or afraid. If the issue makes you unable to see another's perspective, there's a good chance that your mind's been hijacked by partisan politics. Uh, and this is, there's a history of this particular topic. A gentleman named Paul Weyrich, who was a father of the, the modern conservative movement, was looking for a way to draw evangelicals into the Republican Party. And he looked at hot button issues that resonated with conservative Democrats. While Roman Catholics had long been opposed to abortion, uh, you'll be very surprised to learn, I think, that most evangelicals in the United States were pro-choice up until the 1980s. In fact, uh, here's a quote from the Southern Baptist Convention in 1981. It says, Christian concern for the, the value of the, the defenseless fetus, talks about abortion, but it says, it is questionable that Christian love and justice would be served by extremely restrictive laws which do not give conscientious people with proper medical advice the opportunity to choose when they are faced with very grave moral dilemmas related to abortion. That's the Southern Baptist Convention. They have now done a 180 on that issue, but that's largely because, uh, in my opinion, the political parties polarize on this issue, and now it's very hard to find a pro-life Democrat or a pro-choice Republican in Congress, and that's a very sad state of affairs. Uh, how about our own denomination? I've talked about the Southern Baptist. Uh, has the Swedenborgian Church ever taken a position? Um, I was surprised that we have, and I was really surprised when we had. Uh, I found this August 3rd, 1969. Years before Roe v. Wade, right? And here it is. 
the General Convention supports the legalization of abortion in cases where it is responsibly applied for the physical and emotional welfare of those involved. Be it also resolved that such therapeutic abortion shall be considered primarily a matter of concern between the patient, attending physician, and personal counselor. So if you think of that 1969, that was a pretty bold statement then, and it's, uh, it sounds to me like the viewpoint of many people in the, in the polling that we, we, we just saw. So I began this by asking, so what is the Christian view on abortion? You know, let's, let's, let's come back to that. And the answer is that it's different for thousands of people who make thousands of decisions every day on this topic. The role, in my opinion, is that the Christians in the church during these times is to provide a place where we can listen, teach, learn, and grow spiritually while wrestling with difficult topics. Let us as Christians participate in tough decisions, proceeding with compassion, seeking wisdom, and engaging in the whole process with humility. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Spiritual Resilience Podcast with Reverend Rich Taffel. We invite you to reach out to us with your questions and comments, as well as proposed topics for discussion. Sending you love and light. Till next episode.